This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are reviewing the episode of ECW from December the 13th, 1994. I'm Nate Maxson, your host, along, of course, as always, with my brother Aaron. Hello. Mr. Chad Austin. Hello. Like he was making sure he had a good connection. Hello. <laughs> Testing. Yeah. Testies. One, two, what? three. What? What's the what, frequency, what, Kenneth? What, what do you got? Coconuts for fucking earbuds? <laughs> what are you, Gilligan over there? Aaron will be broadcasting in Morse code this week. <laughs> from from Honolulu. I'm in Rio de Janeiro. They don't have no they don't have Wi-Fi every stop it. <laughs> Gotta go find the place that Pat Patterson won the first Intercontinental Championship, but not believe really. me, Pat Patterson had his first gay experience in, in Rio de Janeiro where there was no Wi-Fi. <laughs> hello, pa- <laughs> hello, papi. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we're, all, we're already off to a great grand start here this week on Reliving the Extreme. Like I said, December 13th, 94 is the episode of ECW we all watched this week, and there wasn't a lot to it, so we will have probably about 15, 20 minutes on that. But let's start off the show. Let's dig, keep digging into Chad's Wikipedia page. And I think just looking at some of the names and stuff this week, you may have some stories coming out of this paragraph this week, Chad. Soon after the TQ, TQM's breakup, Chad formed a tag team with former stablemate Dino Devine called the Slackers. And I know you've discussed the Slackers on, on the show before. Was that the, was that the one where you uh, you got T-shirt money from that one? Yeah, that was it, man. That was um, that was about three or four months after I had seen Silent Bob and Jay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I mean, I wasn't a fan. I, I didn't watch that. You know, I didn't watch that nonsense. And I saw that and I said, this is me and Dino. You know, like, this is the way it is. I talk. He doesn't. Like, that, I mean, it wasn't even a thing. Like, he didn't like, he didn't like talking. Mm-hmm. And I did like talking. So it was like, all right, we'll just do this. And that's pretty much what we did. Got over, man. Got It got over huge, dude. As a matter of fact, I'll send you... I'll send you my last. Do you have some kind of hall of of, of, uh, of shame or something? Like yeah, oh, a hall of shame, my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but I I do have I do have a hall of shame like hard drive of shitty wrestling for my computer. But I don't. No, know. I mean like memorabilia because I have some crap here. That... <laughs> I got I got Mike Boyette's wrestling trunks. I got I got I got all I got my crap mixed in with my good stuff. So. It's it's all one big sh- one big uh, kitten caboodle here at the house. Well, I have all crap. <laughs> like I really like I really went out of my way to like figure anybody can get like the the trunks that Steve Austin wore at like WrestleMania like ninety seven or whatever. But I want to get the boots that Steve King wore when he lost to SD Jones on Championship Wrestling. You know, like nineteen eighty. Like you lost SD Jones. Give me them boots. You know the bo- yeah, you know the bottom of the boots are good because you know they're usually uh, he was usually on his back. Yeah. So everything uh, on the bottom of them that's pretty cool. I I still I still have a little I still have a little issue with um my mom um about her throwing away the boots of uh Coco Beware's the the only boots that he wore when he when he wrestled Flair. And when I found out that she did it, and you don't understand, like that RKO was right there, <laughs> and, and she would have had to have been like seventy 
six years old. And then when I when I went to the garage and went through my stuff and I realized that the boots that I wore or that I had that I had from Coco Beware, the rest of Ric Flair were gone. She goes, Oh well I, I gave them to some junk guy or I threw them away. I was right there and it, I heard voices in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't even maybe the neighbor came and stopped me because they saw me just like sitting there banging on the concrete. <laughs> Chad Austin out of nowhere. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna RKO a seventy-six-year-old woman because she got rid of my Coke everywhere boots. It's a de- the audacity. On February sixteenth, the Slackers defeated Van Hammer and the Cowboy in a rematch on MCW Rage TV in Harrington, Delaware, but lost to Gilberg and Steve Wilkos of this Jerry Springer show at Michael's Eighth Avenue in Glen Burnie a month later. In his pro wrestling debut, Wilkos put both men in the sleeper hold to get the victory. That's a fun team. Steve Wilkos and Gilberg. <laughs> Steve Wilkos and what, Gilberg? Yeah. I mean, come on. How, I mean, just, it's Butch and Luke, isn't it? No, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's, um okay, you got me and Dino. Um, at the time, the most decorated tag team in the company. We've had the we we've won tag team of the year, I don't know, one or two years in a row. We've had the best matches with the Briscoes. Um we've wrestled um well, I mean the Briscoes, we had uh, tremendous matches with them fucking goofballs. I mean, and that that you know, they, they were guys that we used to love because we never had to even spend thirty seconds with them. I think we passed them in the hallway one time and just said, Hey, we're wrestling each other like fourth match, whatever. And we got like, um, like 20 minutes or whatever, you know, 22 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, call it out there. And we were like, yeah. Yeah. And- they're actually they're as, as, that's they're in the, they're featured in this paragraph of your Wikipedia. So I was going to ask you about them today. Anyway, what it was like working with those guys, especially, I mean, they were, so they, back- was, they were just naturally good. That well, that saying? and they were back at this time when you were wrestling them. They were just just getting out the shoot, weren't they? Yeah. Well, they 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 missed their um high school graduation, like for that show. Like they were like eighteen. You know, they had their graduation or their or or something. You know, their prom or what? You know what I mean? Right. Whatever it was, and me and Dino didn't didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't care. Like any of that, we were just like, all right, well. We've already had a couple of good matches with you guys, or we, it's, you know, it could have been the first time we touched or whatever. But yeah, we were like, yeah, we have good chemistry. You know, you guys listen, because me and Dino, we always took we took ourselves as there was nobody that was going to be there that was going to be more experienced than us. You know, there's no, I'm not going to work for a company that's going to have a tag team that's had more experience than us than me and Dino as a tag team because there just wasn't anybody there. You know, right in the mark in the marketplace, there wasn't anybody in the Briscoes being as young as they were and and all that nonsense. Like they didn't, um, you know, they just listened to us and, and we just told them, you know, and then they they just, you know, they had their own little ideas of, um, you know, me and Dino weren't dicks. You know what I'm saying? Well, we gave everybody their shine. Everybody got their shine against me and Dino. Um, our favorite is the, uh, um, 
I don't know if it's our favorite because the Briscoes could be our favorite, but one of our favorites were definitely the SATs. Right. I couldn't I couldn't tell you how many places we went to that um we were scheduled to wrestle somebody and and when we got there the promoter decided to change the whole entire thing because it was gonna be Chad and Dino against the SATs. I am so surprised. That's one of those those guys are are one of those teams that I am so surprised that they didn't go farther than they did. I, it really surprised me because when I saw them, you know, in the early two thousands, I, I honestly, I thought, oh, these guys are going to be fucking stars. They're going to be in the, on the, in, you know, on the big shows. They're going to work probably the WWE, et cetera, et cetera. And they just never, it, it never happened for them. The only thing I can probably say is I have, and I have no idea. This is not any. This is not truth. Not this is just my speculation. They had to have been their own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Like they had to have probably thought they were uh, worth more than they were. And WWE was not going to use them. That wasn't, that wasn't going to happen. Worst case scenario is they would have hired them for six months to get red. Mm-hmm. Did and- they refresh my memory, anybody? Because I am the least knowledgeable. Probably the, <laughs> the promotion I'm the least knowledgeable about in my life is TNA. Did they ever work in TNA? Oh, yeah. Of course they did. Right at the beginning, they were they were all over at the beginning of it. Mm. Yeah, like, I, I I literally I literally know more about uh, OVW than I know about TNA. Yeah, like Chad said, like they kind of got um, shined by like Red was like the singles. He was like the singles breakout guy. He was what um, the TNA. Bookers, which were basically Jarrett and Russo looked at as being their fucking Rey Mysterio or whatever. And, they, and he should have been. He should have been. Yeah, been. Like, I don't know what happened with him either, but, but yeah, SAT was very much at the beginning of the TNA X Division. Yeah, the SATs, I mean, the Maximos still wrestle today. I still, I, I'm still friends with them on Facebook and I see their posts and they still work. And there's no chance they're as good as they 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 once were, right? <laughs> no chance, because I I could make a case that they probably weren't even that good. If you ask me, as far as as far as, far as uh, Steve Wilkos goes, is Ooh. this is he Ooh. doing this stuff in the ring before or after you're on Jerry Springer? Oh man, now you're getting into a whole different. All right, here's the deal with Steve. Um, Man, from the beginning, uh, Danny started out doing Springer. He, he did a couple of Springer shows. And um, haven't we already covered this? Or have we yeah, not? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we've, discuss, we've discussed your appearances on the show. But I was just wondering, timeline-wise, was like, did you get connected? Was Wilkos your connection to the show? Or is that who got you booked, No, I we guess? told we told Steve that... Um, after, after I had became, like basically a star of the Springer Show. After I had done so many shows, and Toby loved me, the producer of the show loved me, Jerry loved me. I was like the best guest they've ever had. Like, like, all that nonsense. <laughs> we thought it would be a great idea to use Steve as an attraction, right? I mean, right. why wouldn't you? Right, he's yeah. A, he's, <laughs> he's, on, to, he's on he's on national television every day. And he's supposed to be a badass, right? Mm-hmm. 
So we brought him in and we were like, all right, well, we're going to put you with Gilbert as your partner, a gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to put you against our top, um, our top gimmick tag team. It's going to be Chad and Dino. And we were just like, um, we were just like, it's going to be, it's going to be easy as cake, Steve. Don't you worry about it. It, you know, we're not going to hurt you. And that was the main thing that everybody that, that he had associated with him was worried about was that we were going to hurt him. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, why would we do that? Right. (laughs) Like, there's nothing in it for us. Like, what are we going to be on Inside Edition? Because we're the guys that beat up Steve from Springer. <laughs> like, that was going to that was going to get us like uh, you know our big break. Plus, he obviously knows that like how to half-ass work if he's breaking up fights on Springer. Well, that's a, that's the work about it is they don't know how to work, and nobody knows how to work. That's why it looks so fucking halfway decent, like it was legitimate. Because all it was was it was grab it was grab ass. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that term in wrestling, grab ass. Just just grab a hold of the person, you know, and just grab them. Basically, is what I'm. What it, it, it is. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing actually happens. <laughs> no, nothing really happens. Nothing a- actually happens, and then you get Steve to break it up, and then he brings in a bunch of fucking goofs, you know, to help him like. You know, secure the stage. Like, what the fuck is going on here? These are like teenage kids, <laughs> you know. And me, me, I was not a problem because they all knew that um, ahead of time that I knew how to work, and I had to, I had to legitimately teach them how to work because I had to explain to them that, like, um, I had wrote down about. I think I still had the notebook where I wrote down my jokes about the girl. And I was like, all right, this is, these are my jokes. This is what I'm going to say about this broad. And I'm, I'm just going to fucking set her on fire, basically. And, um, and then when Steve did his thing and nobody, nobody knew anything. There was no collusion. There was no, you know, kayfabe. Like there, it was legitimately like these people were running down to the fucking stage to beat us up. And, and we needed that these goofs to protect me. From the, these people, and I thought they were all worked. I thought they were all works. Like I thought I could say whatever I wanted to say about these fucking hand bones, these Mitchells of the month, and I could just do whatever I wanted. And they weren't they weren't going to get me. But then literally they had to uh, they had to escort me out of the building. They had to get a car, and, and they had to change my hotel room, and all this stuff. And I had no idea. Like Jesus. legitimately none, because I thought the crowd was in on the whole entire like charade. I thought they were. So I'm out there pointing fingers, <laughs> like you, you know, you, you know, you slept with a donkey, and, and you, how many times is how many times is your aunt going to send me a Facebook request or a MySpace request? You know that kind of stuff, and it was just, it was just like. That's all they wanted me to do, and I did it. And boy, did I do it good! <laughs> I, I did it too good. Let's see here. Um, the Slackers bounced back by winning the MCW Tag Team Championships from the Bad Street Boys on the May twenty second edition of Rage TV. Uh, the team defended the titles against the SAT at the two thousand two Shane Shamrock Memorial Cup, as well as the Briscoe Brothers and the Holy Rollers, Earl the Pearl and Ramblin' Rich, during the next few months. 
Oh, that sounds like that. I wouldn't necessarily say that we actually defended the belts against them. That 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 sounded to me like we had like some sort of like a what is that like an elimination kind of match or whatever, you know? Yeah. I I don't. I, there's no chance that I'm going to say that they put me and Dino over on over on them guys. The, I don't uh, believe so. The well, we've talked about the SAT and the Briscoe brothers here. The Holy Rollers, I know you've talked, we talked a couple of weeks ago going through your Wikipedia about Earl the Pearl. Um, Ramblin' Rich. You first match. That? Oh, yeah. My first match ever. And for some reason, I, I still don't think he likes me. Like we, we had, we used to put the ring up together. We used to, we used to do the ring rentals together, like all that stuff. And then a, a, a lot of times we would work together. Like, you know, because we did the ring rentals or whatever. We, we just had, we just didn't have a good camp. I mean, nothing, like, personally, because I still go to, like, his, like, birthday parties or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we just never had good chemistry because I don't know what it was. Like, I, I kind of like to, like, um, like make shit. Like, I kind of work like Terry Funk a little bit. Like, you know, if, if you hit me and then I take a, if I stumble and I fall to the ropes and I'm outside the ring, come out and get me. You know? Right. I, I know it's not the next spot, you know? You know what I mean? I know it's not the next spot, but come out and get me. And Rich was the guy that we had to, we had to have like the match had to be planned and you know all that stuff. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm still I'm still good friends with Rich. I think I am anyway. I haven't seen Rich in a while. I haven't been to a show in a while. But he he was always one of them opponents, and I think that he was always one of my best opponents. And it's basically probably based upon because of our competitiveness. You know, right. Well, and I was going to say, I mean, and not just in wrestling, but in any field that anybody's in, you can you can be friends with somebody, like, but not. I mean, I, I've had I've had people that I really dig them as a person, but as a coworker, they fucking stunk. They just weren't <laughs> me and them. Just didn't didn't you know gel up or whatever. I like you as a person, but as a coworker, not so much. So, oh, that's, on the flip side, it's like, oh, you're a good fucking person to work with but you're a shitty human being <laughs> yeah yeah i mean me and rich like we 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 would end up working on shows two and a half three and a half four hours away and we get to the building and then we see that it's me versus rich we're like we could have done this in baltimore you know <laughs> why why are we here now the last sentence on this uh, this chapter or this paragraph on August sixteenth, Chad made a one time appearance for the beautiful Babes of Wrestling to wrestle Alexis Larie in an intergender match in Martinsburg, West Virginia. So I actually know it. I actually know a guy that's from Martinsburg, West Virginia. And that's Mickey James, right? Correct. Yes. It's my greatest match ever. I think it's my greatest match ever. I loved it. I mean, I um, I half-assed trained Mickey anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I may well, have you, not. You, you, uh, I'll tell you this. You did a good job because, uh, I'll, I mean, I'll fight anybody on it. I think she is one of the top five best women's wrestlers ever. Ever. I really she, do. She still, she still does give um, MCW credit. 
like you know, it depends on how deep of a dive of a podcast she's going to do or a show she's going to. You know what I mean? Right. It depends on how deep you're going to go because you know she'll always just throw TNA on you know on the first. But you know, but when it comes down to it, yeah, I worked Mickey a, a fucking it, it, well. It was me. You know, <laughs> there wasn't anybody else that was working Mickey. It was me, and we did this. We did this spot one time. I swear to God, it was it was my it's my favorite spot. And somebody recorded it and sent it to me, and it pops up every year on my timeline. You know the you know the mahi straw kind of cradle thing where you roll around the ring. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we did that spot where we rolled around the ring so many times that it got up, and she stood there. And I just kept rolling around the ring, <laughs> like. <laughs> And then I eventually just got up and fell out. And then, like, I, I went to fall out of the ropes, but I hung my feet up on the ropes. So she kicked my feet, you know, the ropes. So I fell on the floor. And it, it's like when it pops up, I'm like, dude, that's one of the best spots I've ever done in my entire life. You know, I've never seen that. Me and Mickey James doing like a fucking, we did like a 14 <laughs> round Mahi Straw cradle. And basically, it's because I was just trying to get some kind of, you know, coverage over here right i was trying to touch her and stuff <laughs> i was trying to see what i can get out of this and when we're just rolling, rolling around the ring and yeah and it was like wow and then it, it that that's one of my favorite that that's probably my favorite match of all time is the one with mickey james and it's funny because i went to a dinner with her one time and um, her, it's when she just started, when she started dealing with, um, Nick, the guy that owns Aldi's mm -hmm. and, um, and we went to a dinner and she fucking no sold me and, and my wife was there and she even was like, dude, I, I can't, I can't believe that, you know? And it's, it's one of them things that it's happened. I don't know. It's almost like I have some, like I did something wrong in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I sexually abuse somebody, or I or I swindled money or something for some company, you know. Like it's almost like I did something bad, but she she's noticed it that people get big heads in this business, and they really do. And a lot, a lot of people forget forget where they came. They forget where they came from till they either go into the Hall of Fame <laughs> or they have to go back to where they came from. You know. Of course. I mean, that's not even. I mean, that's not. That's that's. that's to me, that's forgivable because I get it. I mean, I'm not gonna say that it's happened to me because I, I didn't forget where where I came from. I just regret where I went. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my life. You, you didn't you didn't spend the fucking two years, you know, on your own dime living in fucking Memphis, you know, bumming rides to fucking Boonesboro. For Christ's sake. Well, that wraps up this paragraph of Chad's Wikipedia page. So, let's see. Let's dig into this episode of ECW that we watched and see how much mileage we get out of that. There's no questions? I was going to do the episode first, and if we don't get enough time out of it, then we'll do a question. I do oh. have a question, though. But okay. I don't think we're going to get a lot of time out of this episode, just because there's not... There's I think there's literally... There's nothing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of promos. There's one match and then a bit of another match. But anyway, we start out with a strange promo from Shane Douglas standing next to a shower thing. 
Like, so I think that the showers you use at a campground or something. Um, and uh, he's he's talking about how essentially, like, he's trying to make it sound like this shower thing that he's standing next to is like his palatial Egyptian temple or some yeah, such it, shit. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The holies of the holies. Yeah, the holy of the holies. Well, it's um, funny you say that it's the temple because that shower, um, I don't know where that shower is from. I figured it was in the arena. That's not the ECW arena shower. Okay. There's no that, shower that, in the arena. No, no, no. There, there is no chance that they had a triple shower head in the ECW arena. <laughs> like, I mean, the only thing they had in there was a, they had a, uh, a hose gimmick ready for a car wash to be set up at any time the next day. That there, there is no shower. There was a shower, but it was a one shower, one thing, and, and the hot water lasted about seven minutes. I picture like the sh- the shower that has the toilet in the shower. <laughs> yes, literally, it was. It was. It's a camper shower, and and the worst was at some point somebody. I don't know who it was. Rocky Ortiz, maybe. Somebody went down to the street and bought like a dollar shower shower curtain and put like the, the thing up right across the thing. But it it, it it went across the shower and the toilet. So if I was going to take a shower and you were going to take a dump, you're still in the same spot. There was no separation. And that was even more awkward because we're closed in. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say was it's like a camper shower where you can you you can poop while you shower. That's what it was. But I mean, but nobody was gonna walk it. I mean, I mean, if Terry Funk wanted to walk in and poop while I was showering, I mean that's one thing, but if Dino Whatever his name was, yeah, I just pictured Terry sitting on the on the shitter and Chad taking a shower, and Chad's like, "While we have this moment, can I pick your brain about something?" Yeah, yeah no, like, no, I, no, I, no, I, I turn I turned the water off because I I think he's talking to Paul Bosch, and I'm like, "All right, I'm picking his brain. All right, I'm turning the water off. I don't want him to think anybody's in here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get his bookings." I'm going to find out where Terry Funk's going to be. and I'm, I'm going to somehow get involved in this. Can it, I, it, it, it did. Can I pick your stool for a second, Paul Wash? Yeah, and, and Terry Funk asked me why I had plastic bags in the bathroom. Because before you... Don't flush. Don't worry about flushing. I got this. Well, Douglas is initially cutting this promo on Ron Simmons, and of course, how did that happen? Over there, there's a Terry Chunk. (laughs) Yeah, I had to walk around. I mean, how hard it was to find a plastic bag in the ECW arena? They didn't have puke in it? Jesus. (laughs) Douglas's promo on Ron Simmons here, of course, he starts doing a promo on Ron Simmons and then goes into five minutes again on Ric Flair. And then back to Simmons. I was watching this promo and I was like, how did that happen? Like, they just snuck that in there on me. It's back to Ric Flair again. Oh, he didn't sneak it in. He just put it in there. It it was... He's he's still talking about Ric Flair. And, um, Nate, you might... 
be able to tell me what I he might be able to tell me what he was talking about, but he says that um, um, he's he basically said Ric Flair's not man enough to let a Shane Douglas says he's man enough to not let an an, an entertainer throw a handkerchief in his face. I, I always thought the whole thing was that he wasn't man enough to show up at the ECW arena. Well, when that's, did what he, he, that's what he's saying about Flair, but he's saying that he is Shane saying he's a tough enough wrestler to not let an entertainer throw a handkerchief in his face. Okay, oh. Let me think. Oh. Well. Let me think here. Was he talking is, about Kurt? What? Was he? Was he? Was the handkerchief thrower Kurt? I don't think so because Kurt wasn't in W. This is December of '94, so Flair has just—he's like just a little over a month after losing his quote-unquote retirement match to Hogan at Halloween Havoc. So I don't even know what he would have have done on TV where a celebrity or an entertainer would have thrown a handkerchief in his face. I don't know. That's the only thing I was about was that you kind of say that Flair was a bitch or whatever for letting that brawl retirement. Well, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Rick Flair is not coming to DCW. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, we could all sit out there and say that Rick Flair had left the car there for two months <laughs> and those sparking or, you know, or whatever. Fuck, you could say anything. He, he just booked a building for nothing and then put it in the pot. You know, you can say anything you wanted on it. The, the bottom line was they kept saying Ric Flair's name at, at a show where there was, what, 13, 1,400 people, you know, whatever mm-hmm. number Paul was to put on it, that he wasn't coming. And and, and, and I, know, I know for a fact I was there. I heard it, uh, how much money it was going to cost. Because they were thinking about running the Philadelphia Convention Center. And they had already ran the Philadelphia Convention Center. And so did um, DC Drake with the old, you know, TWA wrestling whatever company that was there mm-hmm. prior. And it just wasn't economical because they charged. They didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't understand the economics. What, what do you want to get? You want to get fucking $5,000 one time? Or do you want to get, you know, 1200 every six weeks? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They didn't understand that. They, they just didn't know that, like, there was that kind of, um, like, wrestling had that kind of legs. The, um, but yeah, and then, I mean, Douglas goes back into talking about Ron Simmons. Like, he, he, he starts talking about Ron Simmons, and then he veers off to Ric Flair, and then he's back to Ron Simmons, all standing next to this, this odd-looking shower device, and he um, just essentially just said the same thing he's been saying for a month and a half. Yeah, the funny the funny thing was was today on Seinfeld they had the episode of the shower head, <laughs> the, like, the, the the water pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, Shane Douglas, his poor uh, hair. Yeah, if only if only could you imagine if he had got one of them Seinfeld. <laughs> shower heads and he came walking out and he looked like Newman his hair was all just puffed up and curly and he's trying to cut the promo you're like what, what, what? You, you got suds coming out of your ears <laughs> perfect stranger playing in the background 
that, that's tremendous. Yeah, this, this promo is way too much flair. And even in the promo, he says, I like Shane says that he's never gonna like he basically says that Flair sent his bitch, is what he says, to do his job, which he's talking about Sherry, and then says that he's never gonna mention Flair's name again after this promo. And that's a fucking lie, because he's gonna talk about him for another fucking three fucking goddamn years. <laughs> years. He's gonna he's gonna try to bait him in for years and that do you think this goes back to the um Really? The potential lawsuit that Paul had, like you know, in his back pocket. Do you think that at all? I don't. I don't know because I. I'm pretty sure Paulie was even smart enough to realize. Okay, because of this potential lawsuit, they'll let me use Bobby Eaton. They'll let me use Arn Anderson. But there's no goddamn way they're going to let me use Ric Flair. And there's no way Ric Flair's going to come here. Do you really think that? Is that what you I think? Do. I do. I, I don't know. I just think. It's just that that's out of the realm of possibility to me. Flair ever showing up at the ECW arena. Even Paulie had to know that was not gonna fucking happen. I don't I don't know, man. I, I, I know I told the lovely Miss Jess tonight that I just told her about the show we were gonna do. And I just said the pop that Tully Blanchard got, the pop that Arn Anderson got, you know, lights out, light lights on. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Not even, not even turning the lights out. Just the whole hall in between whoever's in the ring, Shane in the ring, you know, doing, you know, just not not talking, not talking on the mic, just in the ring waiting. And then you hear Ric Flair's music. Are you? I mean, that fucking place would fucking, you know, they would riot. It's like we talked about last week. Yeah, okay. They're chanting Flair is dead. But if Ric Flair actually walked into that arena, <laughs> they'd be they throw babies. Yes, as Cornette would say, they'd be throwing the babies in the air. Dude, yeah. that's that's the way ECW fans are. They would they they were that finicky and they would boo you, you know, if you weren't there. And now as soon as you got look, look at Sabu. All right, go just just take Sabu for example. Fuck Sabu. How big was that chant? Turn the lights off. Put Sabu in the ring. All right, Sabu. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I mean, everybody's bringing their babies to the arena. Just throw them. You know, you got to give him credit, though. I think the only guy that came in from the outside that had legit heel heat with that crowd was Jerry Lawler. I mean, we're going to get to that later on, but in a couple of years... But I think <laughs> yes. I think I think I think Lawler managed to retain his heel his heel cred with that with that with that arena. I mean, I know when he first showed up, it obviously it's the it's the shock pop. But I don't. I think I think he he was able to retain his his heel heat with that crowd because he was honest. He he was honest from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said it. He said it sucked. He. he Anytime he saw it on TV, he said it stunk. It was awful. You know, it was like listening to if you could smell what the arch is cooking. It was rotten. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was terrible on all fronts. <laughs> and, and but and, and, it was, and 
it might be a, a dumb or not um, something you guys agree with, but like Memphis was ECW before ECW, you know what I mean? So Lawler knew how to work that style of wrestling. It's called cheap heat. Yeah, that's what Memphis was. Memphis was cheap heat. Um, ECW was cheap heat, but it was on a on a different level where you had to send somebody to the hospital. You know, right. yeah. Yeah. you know, it it wasn't like Lawler just taking advantage of a job guy and giving him four pile drivers, and then Lance was going, "Oh my God, you got to take him out on a stretcher." <laughs> no, in ECW. You had to send the guy out on the stretcher. You have to. He had to explode his testicle for Christ's sake. Yeah, you had to do something a little more. Like, like ECW was like Memphis on steroids. Or cocaine. of course it was. Of course it was. But then so like, there's where Waller understood what he was going into, and that's why he knew how to. He knew how to work that shit. Yeah, but Lawler, see, Lawler didn't burn the candle like Paul did. Paul burnt the candle. He didn't have he didn't have the resources. He didn't have um, the footage. Not, not well, footage no, I, is in territory. I mean, like like video. He didn't have the territory. Lawler had all that. Well, no, I, I was just stating on what Nate said. Where like Lawler was the guy that understood what he was walking into as being a worker in the EC like a non ECW guy. So he knew what he was walking into because he had been doing that for fucking years. You know what I mean? Of course he did. I mean, could you imagine Laura? I mean, I know that Paulie wasn't going to tell. I mean, who who the fuck knew um, Lawler was going to be in an ECW locker room that night um, beforehand? Um, Bubba, Tommy, Paul, Lou, who else? That's probably it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and all of a sudden Laura walks in and then everybody's just going to be like, hey, how you doing? Because nobody, nobody gives a shit. You know, nobody knows, you know, what's going on. Nobody cares as far as I know. I, I never would have gave a shit. Same with fucking Cornette. Oh, this is awesome. Wow. Cornette's here. Cornette to me was like, um, was, a, was a whole different thing because... I always thought that the the, the Pauly and Cornette thing was a was a shoot, and now I don't believe that it was. Oh no, I don't think so either. <clears throat> I don't. Yeah. I don't think so either. Cornette talks about Cornette talks about Pauly with uh, too much respect for it to have been a shoot because when Cornette doesn't like somebody, he doesn't care. He doesn't care to shit on him. He get he get he actually gives Pauly his due because Cornette will sometimes shit on somebody that is good just because he doesn't like them. You know. So, you mean like like Bart Batten, <laughs> <laughs> or um, or um, Ricky Shane from from Five Star? I think I think you guys are right, and 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 like uh, Cornette got a I, to me. I always when Cornette talks about Paulie, I'm just always like, I think he got a kick out of him. You know well, I mean? yeah, they're like the, they're like the North and South versions of each other. Yeah. Well, it's built. It's built in heat. You, you have a built-in angle. You got a guy who, you know, who's a southern guy, a guy in, from northeast, and why not play? I mean, it's perfect. You know, it's mm -hmm. a perfect storm. The next segment on this show is nine one one versus the Young Dragons. 
Oh, poor young dragons. Were the young dragons always the same two dudes? Because they look different this time. Like, I don't know, size-wise or something the last time I saw them. But maybe it was just the camera work. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm digging too, I'm digging too deep into it for something to talk about. But... <laughs> Paul had a bunch of fucking kids backstage that were all trying on young dragon outfits. <laughs> like, yeah, like. Yeah, and then like, Stan Hansen walked in. No, that's a different show. No, he had like 15 people out in the, in the. And like, if you notice, why don't you watch the next time you see a young dragons match and see if the guy's a little taller than another guy? To where you know you see his ankles because his pants aren't long enough. <laughs> you, know, you go like that ain't the same young dragon. High waters, um, but yeah, this is essentially your standard nine one one thing. He choke slams the shit out of these kids a couple of times, and they're talking about how nine one one will be facing the pit bulls in a handicap match this upcoming weekend. Um, so hence he's having this kind of as a you know a way to get ready for having a handicap match. Pretty much a squash. Not a lot to write home about here. Well, nine one one, man. You said it. I mean, what are you gonna say? Nine one one. Aaron, did you have any comments on this segment? Uh, just the fact that Joey was trying to put over that um, for the first time, nine one one's kind of the underdog because he's just been choke slamming this time he's fighting the pit bulls. Well, the pit bulls, I mean, how does that, how, honestly, if you're promoting the show, how does that make the pit bulls sound incredible? It's going to be you two against this guy. Right. It sounds more like we're going to make this guy credible. Well, no, I'm not saying the, the booking idea they had was right, but that's what they're, they're trying to push is the fact that for the first time, nine one one is going against two credible wrestlers as opposed to him going into like two on one matches against people like fucking Steve Richards and Stevie Wonderful or some shit. Yeah. Fucking the Storm and Norman or whatever. Stevie Wonderful. Hey, hey, I had to bring him up. It's been too long. <laughs> it's been way too long. <laughs> Two years. Nobody's brought up Stevie Wonderful. I, I think I think we had one of his songs at my wedding. Didn't he do "You Are So Beautiful"? Yeah, like superstitious. Like Stevie Wonderful song, Steve, uh, superstitious. That's it. That's all we got. We we got "You Are So Wonderful" and superstitious. I mean, unless you can come up with any more Stevie Wonderful songs. I can't about see- um. How about I can't him and the one with uh him, him and the one with uh Roddy Piper? <laughs> I don't know, was it uh black and white, whatever it was? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I don't know what it's called. The song he did Ebony with- and Ivory. Whatever. Him and Piper did Ebony and Ivory. Imagine you have Ebony and Ivory there. <laughs> uh, I wonder what Ivory looks like these days. Remember she was a glow girl. Yeah, she's probably Leathery and wearing granny panties. Oof. Yeah, probably not so good, huh? Probably got diabetes. <laughs> diabetes? She lost a foot. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. She probably has a GoFundMe like everybody else. 
for for the sake of having one. I, I don't need it. But... I, I lost the foot, and it, and then all of a sudden, it, somebody says, "I found it." <laughs> I found Ivory's foot. <laughs> it's that. It's that. Uh, it's that big lot parking lot. Ivory's diabetes <laughs> felled off foot is in a big lot's parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's possible, right? <laughs> you can find anything like that in a big lot's parking lot. Ivory's foot. Stevie Richards found it because he's the manager. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, up next on this show, Tommy Cairo introduces his new manager, the Virgin Princess Angel. All right, enough. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how big of a rib does this have to be <laughs> that she's the Virgin Princess? I mean, on television alone, she's been what? What? Three people. What, Rebel, Jason, now who? Cairo? Cairo. Yeah. How about I this? For- she's, a, she's a whore. Just- I, for- <laughs> I forgot about this because, to be honest with you, I thought Ty- Cairo was gone by now. But No, he's back. And he also told the people that when they see his virgin princess, that they need to get up off of their feet. Oh, well, I mean. So you mean down? Like out of your shoes? Like, if you're going to get up off of your feet, that means you need to sit down. Unless you're standing on Ivory's feet, then you can get up off of her feet. Unless you have feet that have screws in them, then you can just take your feet off. Like Carrie Von Eric. Yeah. I mean, you have a bunch of Carrie Von Erics in the crowd. The bunch of the variety kids. Oh, not not the variety kids. Oh, man, we are taking, we are, we are going backwards on this week's show. Yeah, fuck the variety kids. You know, them kids, they've already they got enough. <laughs> Sal Balomo's like, it's your time to shine, children. Yeah, what are these what are these people gonna start giving back to me? <laughs> I've gave them enough. I don't know. I played volleyball with the autistic and they were hitting the ball they don't you know, they were hitting each other. <laughs> you know, I don't you know. I I I hit the ball over the fence and they would just start punching each other and like, <laughs> just like Oops. I don't get I don't get these autistic kids. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. They don't get it. Uh, <laughs> up next, Jason plugs the hardcore hotline. What are you <laughs> I was gonna say the autistic kids are watching the ECW on Spectrum. Oh, good Lord. All of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm waiting for an Archie Mitchell uh, thing to pop up now. <laughs> like, right, a picture right now. As soon as you said that, and he's going to start yelling at me because, you know, I'm going to fucking bury that. Oh, the auti- oh, the autism kids. Oh, look at Todd Gordman. He's out there. He's out there spreading the love. What did he ever do? I, I bet you he gave the fucking handicapped kids sterling silver necklaces. From his jewelry place. Sterling silver. You know how much that costs? Like, Not gold. They're all walking around with a brooch on. So. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a, a shitty bracelet. Like, not only are we retarded, now we have a green neck. Well, I mean, who who are these people that are gonna they're gonna argue with Todd? It, it 
Then we're the Todd's Jewelry Store. <laughs> wow, we got. I think we got off the topic here. A little bit, but that's all right. We needed to. Je- uh, Jason cuts a promo next, talking about the hardcore hotline, and he's going to tell his game plan for Holiday Hell. There's a smart manager. Tell your game plan to everybody on the hotline so your opponents can call and hear your game plan for this upcoming weekend. Good job, Jason, you fucking idiot. Well, they well for 99 cents a minute. They can't afford it. They're getting paid by Paul. And what's his game plan? How do you like my game plan? Yeah, and what is it? Uh, and all of a sudden, you're just sitting there in silence for like five minutes. And, you know, you're racking up minutes. <laughs> Jason ruffling his jacket. That's pretty much what it is. It's just it's Jason just ruffling him. his jacket for five minutes. It's just him cranking one out for like five minutes. This is like cameo before cameo. If Jason could have been on cameo doing, how do you like my suit? How do you like me cranking one out? That's what Jason. I don't want to. I don't. I don't know anything about the cranking one out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down with Jason cranking one out. I'm not. I'm not doing all that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's all Jason's deal. I don't know. How do you like my? Spooge. How do you like my crank a one out? How do you like my spooge? <laughs> I, I again, I'm not. Um, I you know, I don't. I think it's like, how do you like my fake heterosexuality kind of thing? Everybody, everybody. I'm trying to be heterosexuality, heterosexual, but everybody knows that I'm completely not. Because look at me, I forgot a shirt, which means I'm going to a gay bar afterwards. And in Philadelphia, it ain't far. How do you like my... Dude, how do you like my pit bulls? It's like... It's... Oof. I hate to see how that might end it up. <laughs> Somebody had a dog collar on. What else? Somebody had a dog collar on. Yeah. How do you, how do you like my pit bulls? Imagine the police rolling in and it's just Jason with a fucking dog collar on. And tied to the bed. And Anthony Durani being like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's in the he's in the next room. And and the cops come to his room and they go, Do you know anything about this? And they open the door and he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> Not a fucking clue. No, I have no idea what's going on over here. This fucking guy. And then Gary, they couldn't even get him up. <laughs> he, he just wasn't waking up for any of this. <laughs> He's like, I ain't got time for any of this. Because everybody knows that the, the only pit bull worth of fucking shit is, was uh, but yeah. Tip, too. Yeah, Anthony. We called him Anthony. Anthony. After they show us a video of the trials and tribulations of Sabu that have been going on in ECW, we get a public enemy promo discussing how the fans and, and Commissioner Gordon turned on them. Um, they're discussing the match coming up with Taz and Sabu. Uh, this weekend at Holiday Hell, they're the Mac Daddies of violence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, I just I said it a couple of weeks ago. I think I even reiterated it last week. Paulie looks at these guys, other than Sabu, as his biggest act because they are they get more TV time than anybody in ECW at this point. Well, that's that's the way. That's the the exact way to put it. He's their biggest act. Mm-hmm. And what is TV? TV's a variety show, right? Right. Yeah. And you have this act, 
which is Public Enemy. You have Sabu, who's an act, right? Correct. And then you have, um, all right, we'll even throw in Shane Tripper, Shane Douglas as an act. He's an act. Like, that's what hey, you're building. He's like, hey, Ric Flair, come and knock on my door. <laughs> you know, we I've been waiting for you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what he's trying to do. I mean, and then, and then, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I saw Brian Pillman walk out or something. And I'm just thinking, like, Dude, this is incredible for for this place, this little tiny fucking little building to have this kind of like um, steam is incredible, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I agree with that. But the best fucking act that he has on his show isn't one that um, I think that he's. And he implements him on the show, but it's the best act he has on his show isn't the act that he's putting over the most, and it's Mick and Mikey. They're the fucking best thing that he has going on right now, in my opinion. I don't know, man. I don't. I mean, I would have to. I would honestly, Aaron. I wouldn't even. Is that, is that you, Aaron, or is that you, Nate? Just said that. It was me. I would I would have to debate that because I would have to think about that for a second because I don't think that that it was there yet. I think it I think this was the beginning, and I'm not even sure that even during the heyday that that carried anything. I thought that was the um. It, it, this is all my opinion. I mean, clearly, this is my opinion. I just thought that was the seasoning, you know. Like that was kind of like uh, the main event's going to be Shane and I don't know what, what whoever it is Ron Simmons or whatever the fuck, but this is going to be the fucking the seasoning the flavor of the show you know. Well, I, I, I just thought it didn't hold it didn't hold the same. I just didn't think it hold the, the main event status. I'm sorry. Well, essentially, I think what you're trying to say is it's it's not the draw. But no, once 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 you get him once you get him in the building, it's gonna entertain him. Well, that's what, what I'm trying to say is like I think Mick and Mikey is the reason that all this shit's happening. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like Mick and Mikey were the the, the thing that sprung off um, the PE, and they were the thing that sprung off this, and they were the thing that sprung off that. It's like why aren't you talking more about? the nucleus of your company. You know what I mean? I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. I thought that it, I think that it's because that Mikey and Cactus, that Cactus brought Mikey in to show that he's a big star and he can make anybody else a star. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't fucking know. Like, you, well, don't, you don't feel that way? No, it's like, you know, why wasn't it me? Well, I mean, I know why it wasn't me, but just theoretically, <laughs> why wasn't it me? Why wasn't it Paul Luria? I don't know, but what I'm trying to say is, like, um, later on when we get into ECW, like, 95, we talk about, we're, we're going to talk about, like, um, like Nate said, like, a lot of the shit in ECW comes off of Raven and Dreamer. You know what I mean? Well, that like, carries the whole company for a year and a half, right? But at this point... A lot of the storylines are 
they're trying to tell are coming off of Cactus and Mikey being a team. And on this show, it's like they only talk about them or feature them for like five minutes. Like it should have been more, in my opinion. Well, how much? Um, let me ask you then. Um, how much more time do you think Cactus has there? Or how much more? How much time do you think Cactus has? Period, with ECW as far as as his availability. You know, was he not getting big enough? Where arm isn't he going to WWE in in two months? No, he doesn't go to WWE until '96. So he's he's going to be with ECW I, for another year. I think it was. I think wasn't it '95? Maybe late, but he does, Mankind doesn't debut on WWE TV till the night after WrestleMania 12. So that's like April 96. I can't remember how long it was before that that he signed with them. And I'm not trying to talk with hindsight. I'm just talking about with like looking at it in 94. If I'm looking at it as a promoter in 94, I'm more trying to put Mankind or Mick, Cactus Jack. And Mikey Whipwreck on my show more than I'm trying to put the public. Tony Stetson. And yeah, you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, no problem. But the problem is, is you have you have to secure dates with cactus to make to make the whole entire project like doable, right? You have to secure his dates. Do, do you do you, I mean I don't know his dates. From, from them on, you know, because remember, um, we talked about this probably on a different show, one, one of the other platforms of the We Can't Wrestle podcast network. If you check it out, that um, how many times did I follow Cactus to different territories <laughs> and and didn't even know it, right? I followed him around and and I and and it wasn't that I followed him around, is that I followed the territories around, right. And I got there, and I was like, oh, well, Jack was here, all right, you know? And then eventually I run into Jack, and we would talk about, you know, our respective runs, oof, or walks, or slight, you know, oof. Strolls? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't think of another word, a less of a word for payday for that. And, yeah, strolls in our territory days. So, yeah, I mean, I totally understand. And, and cactus and cactus was like, um, like if cactus has one flaw, in 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 my in my personal um, opinion with dealing with him, was that he was too generous. He would he would charge cheaper, you know, if if only if he only had to drive two hours or mm-hmm. three hours. You know what I mean? Your cactus jack, you know. Don't be charging, you know, a hundred and fifty less or two hundred and fifty dollars less because, you know, you only live, you know, an hour and a half down the street. Right. Yeah, get, get, you, you 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 built a name. Use it. Yeah, but Cactus was never. He was never like that, and that's why I, I always respected Jack for for that kind of shit. Because damn, that's fucking that's impressive to me. Cause me, I I've never even done that. I've charged more people. I've charged more money for stupid shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And who am I? I lose the women. 
<laughs> the the last segment of the show, and I, I have to say I have I have a lot of positive to say about this segment, as, as crazy as that sounds, but we're showing the beginning of a match, Tommy Cairo and his Virgin Angel against Tommy Dreamer and Peaches. And they cut from the match to an interview between Cactus and my with Cactus and Mikey, a promo, I should say. Um uh, Mikey's going to ask Todd Gordon for a match with Public Enemy. Um, Cactus, I love what he says about Kevin Sullivan here, because they're talking about Sullivan turning on Cactus. And Cactus says, essentially, hey, Kevin, why didn't you tell me you were going to beat up Hulk Hogan? Why didn't you tell me you were going to leave your brother Dave? I would have stayed in WCW with you. And I, I love that aspect of the interview. Um <sighs> And then anything anything on the promo before we get to the next part, guys? No, I I, thought, I, I dug it. Yeah, I I just thought it was good, and I thought it um, I mean, it didn't it didn't necessarily tie everything together, but it 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 helped it helped tie stories together, right? Right. It, you know, because people were like, "Why are you on this show? On this show? And on this show?" You know. Mm -hmm. And he's explaining why. There you go. Yeah, and that, that's pretty much what Chad said was it explains why Cactus Jack would have left WCW. Did you say Cactus Jack? Cactus Jack. I think you, you said Cactus. I think you said Cactus Jack. Okay, well, it explains why Cactus Jack left. <laughs> Cactus Jack. That's why he was never a star. I thought he said Cactus Shrek. Cactus Shrek? Shrek. Cactus Shrek? That's even worse. Shrek? It explains why Shrek left WCW. <laughs> I'm a hardcore icon. I had never I've never seen Shrek. It was it was a big deal when my kids were small, so I've seen it too many times. But anyway. Cactus Shrek. <laughs> Good night. I, I also like the fact they have the same because the, the match, the mixed tag match, I forgot to mention when we started on it, the winner of the match, whether Tommy Dreamer or Tommy Cairo is going to get to face the Sandman at Holiday Hell. Um, so while the promo is going on, while the match is going on, Sandman comes in, attacks Cactus Jack, and then from the arena, he hears the fact that Tommy Dreamer has won the mixed tag match, and then he heads to the ring. I, I like the fact that they had the promo going on as, at the at the same time as the match, and then kind of the behind the scenes of Sandman going, "Oh, Dreamer won, so I'm going to head to the ring and beat his ass." Um, and then pretty much insanity ensues out in the ring as well. Um, it also overall, it also explained why Cactus got involved in it because, like you said, with Sandman, with oh Tommy just won that match. It explains why Cactus would have got involved when all those guys are beating down Tommy because Sandman attacked Cactus. Right. I have no idea. I don't even have any notes on this whatsoever. <laughs> I, I I must well, have, I must have walked out of the room and I think the cable guy was here. Tommy Cairo. I think so. <laughs> well, essentially, yes. The uh, the Sandman and Cairo. This, the end of this is they are they are beating up Dreamer and Sandman or their Sandman and Cairo are beating up Cactus Jack and Tommy Dreamer with the Singapore Canes in the ring, um, and then we get a, a promo from Dreamer and Jack 
with Jack all bandaged up, bandaged up and bloody, putting over what a badass Tommy Dreamer is, of course, because that's another goal of Paul D. Dangerously, or Paul Heyman, is to put over Tommy Dreamer every week. Um, but overall, I thought this ending segment was effective. It set things up going into Holiday Hell, and it it puts all the players in place for your future storylines or your your continuing storylines. Well, that's what you want to do. That's what the, your TV is supposed to do. Exactly. I don't I don't understand what's so hard about that. I mean, I mean, but we also got to look at this is thirty years ago. You know, it, there's a different way of doing it. And, mm-hmm. and 30 years ago, that's the way they did it, right? Yep. I, I don't watch anything nowadays. Do you guys watch anything nowadays? I I watch everything. And, I watch everything, but I don't watch it like I used to. What do you mean watch everything? I mean, like it, what? Like, I mean, anything. I'm talking about regular shows, not just wrestling shows. No. But I, I have gone from watching, I think that in the past 20 years... You know, it used to be when I was in my in my teens, twenties, maybe even early thirties, I was more keen to watch movies than TV shows, and now I'm more keen to watch TV shows than movies. It's like all the good writers and shit write TV shows now; they don't write movies. Mo- modern movies suck. Modern TV, modern TV is 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 so much better than it used to be. I used to hate writing TV, and I only wrote TV for a few months. Like for a shitty independent company, like mm-hmm. literally that had it came on at like midnight, like for like you know sixteen weeks, and I wrote TV for it, and I hated it because I could never it... get I could never get done what I wanted to get done. You know, I can't mm-hmm. get somebody over. You know what I mean? How am I going to get somebody over when you're going to give me you know what two and a half minutes, right? And then I have like this effeminate guy. Um, Adrian Street, um, the, not Adrian Street, Adrian, I forgot what his name is. He's an effeminate guy that I like. I you know, we're friends. And I'm like, dude, I like this guy. I put him over. How can I get him over? In two and a half minutes? And not even two and a half minutes. Was it like 30 seconds? Have him cut a promo? Is anybody going to come pay money to see this guy? Right. It's, it's like ECW... ECW's turning the corner, and I think we're starting to see it now, honestly. And that's what I was going to say with the final verdict on this on this show was, and I know we joked at the beginning, yeah, we're not going to get much out of this because it's all promos and shit, but when you go back and look at your notes and you look at the review of your show, you can see, you know, all the all the layers of stories that they're telling here. And it's, it's you watch it in hindsight, and it's probably... I can see why this why this company became the sensation that it became, and I mean it 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 flared up quick and fizzled out quick because at a certain point it became a one trick pony. But you can see why, especially if you put yourself into 1994 and what else, everything else that was going on in pro wrestling, this is so much different. Especially in North America, this is so much different. Well, and, it was it. it Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you that's, off. That's all right. Basically, it's what you're saying of ECW did what they did, and they were um, revolutionary. The bigger companies that had a bigger budget took it away from them and did it with a lot more money and a bigger fucking um, footprint, television base. Yeah. 
It it all goes back to the fucking big dick fucking gimmick. I got a bigger dick than you. <laughs> Watch this. I mean, am I wrong? Nope. Watch this. I can do that's, this because that's, um, that, that's the that's the way it is in everything. Uh, Carlin, one and going to Carlin's specials, he talks about countries and their military and missiles, and it's all a dick complex. He's like, what are missiles shaped like? Fucking dicks. <laughs> you know, that's that's what it is. It's all a big dick complex. I love George Carlin, man. Oh, George was the man. He wasn't a comedian, he was a philosopher. Uh yeah. I mean, he could have been a he could have been a political, you know, a person, you know, anybody. He he yeah, I mean, I I I have I don't know, I have so many George Carlin tapes going back to the seventies. One of my favorite one of my favorite things, um, he, I forget which album it's on, but he does a thing. The you, you ever hear his thing at the book club? It's, I one don't of know. His, it's one of his skits on one of his albums, and he's got all these ridiculous book names. But the best one is How to Kill a Rat with an Oboe. I fucking love that shit. It's hilarious. I just love the complete list. Of dirty words. <laughs> he also has. They do an interview with Jesus. He does an interview with Jesus. Yeah, he's like, like, I could uh, really use a bike. What's that? Then. When he's what's like, that? Uh, I could have really used a bike. Yeah, I could have really used a bike. Or he's like, uh, yeah. he's like, people used to pray for simple things, you know, to catch a yak. To catch a yak? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking. Funny. Now yeah, they're George Carlin, man, dude, you're killing me, dude. Um. When I when I try to explain to younger people now what George Carlin was, I tell them to um, listen to Dave Chappelle. Oh, I don't know about that. About that. Well, Dave Chappelle, in my opinion, the comedy style and the impact that Chappelle has now is what Carlin was back then. Like Carlin and Carnegie, man? Are you kidding me? I think the da- I think Dave Chappelle is the George Carlin of this era. Okay, I mean, I'll take your word for it. I just, I, I just don't. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know. Just the guy that's just he he doesn't give a fuck what he says. He's not going to apologize, and yeah, that that's just my opinion. Dude, George Carlin, dude, when he when he, I actually have the list of all the dirty words. I wrote them all down, and if you want to, one day I I can go find them and bring them on the show. I you think don't we, want them? I, I think we say them every week. Oh no, there's some good ones. <laughs> like there, there really is some good ones. Well, we are going to wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron, Chad, either one of you, any parting list, party listeners, any parting listeners, anybody leaving, listening to the show, if you're alienated by our language or our couth, uncouth behavior, guys, any parting words for our listeners this week? Fuck all of them, dummies. <laughs> I mean, seriously, B- bunch of fucking Mitchells. <laughs> you know, what, what do you expect? You know, seriously. Aaron, say something nice. Um, if any of you fucking idiots are listening, I really appreciate it. And keep listening to all the shows. 
especially the Reliving the Extreme, but also listen to um, the We Can't Wrestle podcast and my what the art was cooking and all that other shit. Yeah, yeah put it real last show. Definitely check out the the We Can't Wrestle podcast Hall of Fame from this past week. It was uh, yeah. it was a good time had by all. Archie Mitchell, Gary Gold. <laughs> Archie Mitchell. Thank you, Archie Mitchell, and thank you everybody else for listening to the show. And we will see you next week. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Aaron. On the next edition of Reliving the Extreme. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>